Do you miss the good old days meeting with our colleagues and having those face-to-face interactions? Who doesn't? It's that connection, camaraderie, and discussion that unite us all. So join us as we work to gain all that back and more through the new Reconnect podcast. I'm Kim McTiernan, Account Manager in Lower Alabama. And I'm Stephanie Fowler, Account Manager in East Mississippi. We will be your hosts. This podcast is all about all of you, our incredibly experienced, effective, results-driven account managers. We're excited to bring you guests that will deliver insights, helpful knowledge, sales and business strategies to grow your markets, something new, hopefully, a little fun, and most of all, we'll be reconnected during our drive. Welcome to episode nine of the Reconnect podcast. We are so glad you guys keep coming back. On this episode, we're going to be taking a more in-depth look at the specialty of pelvic floor therapy. We'll be hearing from the guru of pelvic health, Ashley Crew. We will also have Brad Yergin, account manager in the South Carolina market, joining to share what he has done in his market to have such a successful pelvic floor business. Stephanie, share with us Ashley's bio so we can get to know her more and start learning. Absolutely. Now listen, this bio is full of amazing things that Ashley has done. So Ashley attended Gannon University where she received her bachelor's in psychology and her doctorate of physical therapy degrees. She then moved to the central Pennsylvania region and began her specialized training in pelvic health physical therapy. She has developed pelvic floor programs in several of her company's clinics and currently treats patients of all genders with pelvic health concerns while providing mentorship to other pelvic floor therapists um, within Upstream and educating her community about pelvic health rehab. She achieved her board certification as a women's health specialist in 2017, and she's also a member of the International Pelvic Pain Society, as well as the Global Pelvic Health Alliance. Additionally, she has served as a teaching assistant in various Herman and Wallace classes, and she's developing curriculum for Upstream to make inclusive and affirming pelvic health education accessible to all clinicians. Primarily, she treats in central Pennsylvania, which if you can imagine, her having to do everything she's still doing and she's still treating patients. And she travels to several clinics in the area to mentor those therapists and consult with patients. She's experienced in treating pelvic pain conditions, urinary and fecal incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, post-operative gender affirmation conditions, constipation, pediatric pelvic floor conditions, and prenatal and postpartum conditions. She is passionate about the multidisciplinary care of persistent pain conditions, and she's eager to work with experts in all fields of study to better help her patients have pain-free and fulfilling lives. So that's Ashley, and welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me on here. I feel like that was a mouthful. (laughs) It was a mouthful. And I was like, I'm not sure that I pronounced everything correctly. (laughs) You did great. Also, we also have Brad Yergin and Brad is an account manager with us currently. And he's graduated from Charleston Southern University with a bachelor's in athletic training and completed his master's in exercise science at Auburn University. He's certified athletic trainer for 19 years and has practiced in high school, collegiate, and military settings. He's been with the Dreyer Physical Therapy brand in Columbia, South Carolina for nine years in many different roles. So he was athletic training coordinator, a clinic director, a regional relationship manager, which then um, changed to an account manager. 
And he's also married to Susan, his wife, for 17 years. They have an 11-year-old son and a 7-year-old daughter. So, Brad, I, this is new information for me. I'll say I had no idea that you came from an athletic training background. So this is awesome information. And welcome to you as well. Oh, thank you. It wasn't quite what Ashley's bio was, but, uh, you know, I should have beefed it up a little bit more. <laughs> Notable, still the same. Right. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, perfect. So here's the deal. Um, we just want to say thank you guys for joining us. And we're super excited to hear both of you guys kind of share the information um, on how we can really merge the clinical and the selling to really have a successful conversation with our providers for physical therapy. So Brad, we know that account managers have a bit of apprehension when it comes to selling pelvic floor. So we wanna kind of start there. Um, we asked you to send us some information and that helps you become successful um, in your pelvic floor therapy business that you have. And it says that you wanna get uncomfortable. You want to feel uncomfortable or you're not growing, which is, you know, just a great saying. And so how have you been able to get comfortable being uncomfortable? Um, how do you push past that apprehension in your market? So you can teach all of us how to do that. <laughs> I will tell you, I don't think I've ever gotten comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, uncomfortable is just kind of a, it's, it's something that tells me that I'm moving in the right direction. Um, and that, that makes me know that I'm growing. And I, I like challenges. I don't like to be status quo. I want to do something, um, something new and something that I know is going to serve our community and serve our patients the best. And um, I, I will tell you from a pelvic floor standpoint, um, the biggest piece of this was a personal experience that I had when my father had his prostatectomy. And that was when I was introduced to pelvic floor physical therapy. Uh, this was about six years ago. He had a prostatectomy and afterwards he called me and being a man, you don't typically talk about your urinary habits, um, but I knew he was struggling when he told me that he was having issues. Um, and I had, I knew a little bit about pelvic health therapy and I said, dad, you need to find a pelvic health therapist. Sure enough, he did. And uh, three visits later, he, he was all excited calling me. You know, and um, so, so that's really what kind of kicked it off for me. And what I've had to do is realize that as, as PTs, as ATs, we, 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 we're comfortable with the situation where the ACL reconstruction gets back to play. You know, they're back on the field and we're all excited for them, right? Or we help that grandpa who just had a reverse total shoulder who can now pick up his granddaughter and hug her again. And we see the joy in their faces, but then why do we shy away from or get apprehensive around someone who can't sleep through the night because they keep wet in the bed or someone who's having pelvic pain, you know, with an, in an intimate setting. These are huge things that we shy away from, but we have people out there who can address these things and can help these people. Um, so getting uncomfortable has allowed me to sell quote unquote, these services because we offer them. And I know Ashley is shaking her head. 
And I just, <laughs> please interject a little bit here. No, I love it so much because it so much echoes how I really talk to people too. You know, whenever I come from a very conservative background and whenever I first told my mom, you know, hey, I'm gonna go and learn about this. And she's like, Ashley, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> love mom. Right? Um, and I was like, yeah, but mom, like again, to Brad's point, you know, typically I'm talking about, hey, you could, you know, stand long enough to do the dishes or you could reach that top shelf in, you know, your cabinet or whatever, I said, I'm getting people back to peeing and pooping when they want to and not doing it when they don't want to and the ability to have an intimate relationship the way that they want to. And I think those are way more important than washing dishes. And she was like, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, exactly. This is life-changing medicine. Um, and so that's why I think I'm so passionate about it as well. So Brad, I love hearing so much that our thoughts echo each other. Yep. I, I love that. Um, everybody is, I'm sure, take, pulling over and taking furious notes <laughs> right now because just hearing you, how you're verbalizing is incredible. Um, and all of us do, don't have this specialty or we may be just getting the specialty. So how would you visit like really spending time with your therapist is so important. I know um, you guys sent us notes back and forth and, and that was a really key takeaway to make sure and we, we do spend a lot of time, but even more so. So how do you recommend that happens, Ashley? So I think that this does take initial, some legwork on the account manager's perspective because all of us therapists, we treat different things depending on what courses we've been to and what our comfort level is. Um, and so the last thing we would want as we're marketing these services is to make, you know, sort of be making promises that we can't keep. Mm -hmm. um, and so the biggest thing I would say for an account manager is if you are hearing that, hey, you know, you're supposed to go and market these pelvic health services for this clinic, would be having a simple conversation with that therapist to say, what patient populations are you able to treat? Um, and I really encourage, one of the things I've done really well is gone out with my account manager so that he can hear me as I speak to the physicians um, about what I can treat um, and things like that. So that now at this point, oftentimes he will be able to go out without me now um, and will say, you know, these are the things, you know, these are the patients that Ashley can see. Don't ask me any clinical questions because I might not be able to tell you all the answers. Um, my account manager is also an ATC. Um, but he kind of said, I know bare minimum basics. If you want clinical questions, let's set up a lunch or let's go out to coffee with Ashley um, to really kind of make that next touch point. Um, and so I, I will say, the, I know the, for the account managers, again, that in the beginning, it does take a little bit of legwork in getting to know each therapist. And if you're in a setting where you're fortunate enough to have multiple clinics that have multiple pelvic health programs, it might be getting to know a little bit about everyone. But again, if you're in one centralized location, the beauty of that is that oftentimes within one central hub, there are therapists who can treat just about everything. Um, and so even if the, th the therapist at the sort of closest clinic isn't able to treat that specific patient, um, we have really tried to make this nice little in-house referral network to say, ooh, you know, Emily over here in Hummelstown can't treat that, but Stephanie in Lancaster, which is 20 minutes away, sure can, and let's make that communication happen. Um, Brad, do you have any other input? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, the biggest thing is just getting in and spending time. You've got to get past the, the terminology, you know, and then Ashley does a great job talking about this. If you've ever listened to any of Ashley's podcasts, or not podcasts, but um, just 
what are they called? The, the things that you do. Or TikToks. The, there you go. Or TikToks. <laughs> but, but, you know, and that's helped me a lot too, is just getting in and getting comfortable with the terminology that most of us shy away from. Um, you know, so spend time with your pelvic health therapist. You don't have to be in the room with them while they're treating. You know, you probably don't want to or they don't I'd want recommend to. not doing that. Yes. <laughs> but just get to know what they do. You don't have to be an expert in it, but you just need to know enough to be able to say, hey, this is, this is our pelvic health therapist. She treats this and this and this. And, you know, um, if you'd like more information, I'd love to get her over here to talk with you. Um, so yeah, we, do I do, that. we do that a lot. Yeah, and I do want to say that too, though, because both of y'all are talking about clinical experts. And I do think, though, account managers, we really are the ones that are, you know, we're the, in the front of the providers all the time. And we are the experts in regards to physical therapy, and we're the expert into what our clinicians can do. So I think it's awesome for us to be able to go out or bring them out and kind of hear exactly what they're saying. So it helps us have the confidence to continue to share either those personal stories, guys, that you, that you've talked about, Brad, and that Ashley has talked about with her mother. Cause that's the thing is going back to what we're talking about first with these providers that you bring up these stories and we really get to help paint that picture of exactly what we can do because, you know, they're doctors and we assume that they know everything that they're supposed to know. And like you said, Ashley, with your mother being conservative and she was like, nope, we don't want to hear about this. Doctors tend to be like, eh, I'm going to draw a line at some point. We're going to push you to a urologist, you know? So I'm just, I do agree that we really do need to be the clinical experts and pick up on those key phrases that we can share with our providers so that they can come to us with any question because here's the deal. We may not know the answer, but we can definitely find out the answer for them. Yep. And with us having that strong relationship with our pelvic floor therapist and knowing which one treats which issues, we can reach out instantly and get exactly what that provider needs. So, so we challenge everybody, if you don't already have these things going on that we've talked about right now, make sure that you make that happen. Learn about those stories, hear a story. If you don't know a good story to use, ask about, tell me about a patient's story. Stephanie? Yeah, so Ashley, I'm gonna to go over this in a little bit more detail with you because now we're out there, we're learning what they do and kind of who they treat. Walk us through that not every pelvic floor therapist treat all the same. So what does that mean? Like exactly what does that mean in sure. your clinical world? Yeah, absolutely. So some of our therapists are trained and really specialize more in the prenatal postpartum realm. Um, some of our therapists uh, treat um, primarily male patients or some of our therapists haven't gone to any training on tr um, treating somebody who is transitioning um, into a gender affirming situation. And so I think just recognizing that, because when we say we're pelvic health therapists, there's a lot of people out there who have pelvises in varying degree, uh, you know, degrees of uh, difficulty and uh, skill set. And so, um, you know, some of us, like for me, for instance, I treat pediatric pelvic health, which is a whole other world. And a lot of therapists don't get a lot of training about that. Um, and so the, the, the tricky part here is that if you are the only game in town, you get all the patients, which is a good and bad problem if you've not had the appropriate training. Um, and so that being said, there are therapists, so to break it down a little bit for folks too, that there are therapists who treat everything over top of clothing. 
um, and don't do any internal work where gloves are required and lubricant is potentially being talked about. Um, and so they can treat a little bit more like typical orthopedic conditions, typical pregnancy, postpartum, um, and some maybe some stress incontinence where there's a little bit of urine leakage, that kind of thing. So they can treat a lot of those types of things externally. Some of the pain conditions um, and things like constipation, some of the other diagnoses are really probably better treated by somebody who is able to treat internally. Um, however, same deal, I kind of always joke is that I've been around long enough that when I started this program in Pennsylvania, it was pretty much the only program. So it was a baptism by, by fire, you're gonna learn, um, even if you've not had the formalized training for this. Um, and so that's where it becomes really important to just talk to your therapist to see what they are confident in treating. Um, but then also, you know, if that physician that you are creating a relationship with says, hey, I have this really tricky patient with X, Y, and Z going on, can your person do that for me? The best thing I would encourage account managers to do is say, hey, give me your email, give me your number, I'll consult with my therapist and have them get back to you. Um, because again, then you as the account manager, you're facilitating that relationship. And I mean, the best thing in the world for me as a therapist is to have a physician's email or cell phone so that I can then text them a question about a patient or things like that. It facilitates a much easier communication. Um, and so that's what I really encourage my account managers to kind of go with, to say, I don't 100% know, um, but let me just make sure that she's had the appropriate training um, to be able to take on that patient for you. Um, I think that would be pretty key there. Yeah, that's, that is um, really good. And that's about the relationship that you can build after we get them in the door and you guys determine and you're building off that and, and you know, that's the goal. So as we're talking about that, let's talk a little bit about two, two other things. We talk about getting comfortable with things in terminology. So what are certain key phrases or key terminology that we wanna make sure that um, account managers take away today before we kind of move forward into specialty? Sure. I was like, Brad, do you want to start with that? <laughs> Either one. You guys just jump in. You guys are both really great at this. Yeah, you go ahead, Ashley. Okay. Um, I would say, so word, a word like incontinence. Incontinence is the, is the bread and butter. I always kind of joke, it's the low back pain of the pelvic health world. Okay. Um, so incontinence can be urinary incontinence where there's urine leakage. It can be fecal incontinence where there's stool material that's leaking. Um, and so I think it's important that we as humans all recognize the term incontinence does not mean full loss of bowel and bladder control. So I think even my patients, they'll come and see me and they'll say, well, I don't have that incontinence. I just leak when I sneeze. Um, they kind of have this concept that incontinence means they are in a diaper, unable to stop anything from coming out of them. Um, but that's not the case. So incontinence equals leakage. Um, so something coming out of you when you don't want it to. <laughs> um, so, no, that's um, great. And that's, that's what we need to hear. And just through those pieces, that helps kind of yes. define it a little bit better. Yes, absolutely. Um, the other one, I mean, to go right along with that then is constipation, um, where if I, you know, I can treat patients who are having difficulty passing bowel movements. And again, thinking about the same kind of concept for the urinary system, which is a little bit more foreign, I think, to the average person. Um, but some people can have a really hard time starting a stream of urine. Um, which is a great indication of some uh, poor coordination of the pelvic floor muscles. So I would say difficulty going to the bathroom or difficulty not going to the bathroom. <laughs> um, 
So, and again, we call those, so those terms are constipation um, and then either urinary retention or urinary hesitancy, which is sort of like difficulty starting urination. Okay. Um, overactive bladder is also thrown out constantly by physicians, um, which just means the bladder muscle. So the bladder is a balloon shaped muscle that contracts. Um, and so if that muscle contracts too hard, too fast at the inappropriate times, that's when people have this sense of urgency all the time. Like they feel like they need to go to the bathroom and they need to go right now. Um, and that's something that we can treat as well as physical therapists. Um, so if you can tell the physicians we can treat um, overactive bladder, that's fantastic. Um, and then maybe two more big ones, uh, pelvic organ prolapse. Um, is a really common condition where some of the pelvic organs are shifted from their normal position. So they're situated a little lower in the pelvis. Um, super, super, super common. Um, and there's all sorts of different varying terms for what specifically is prolapsed um, or what has shifted. Um, and this is where I would say for the account managers, um, there is a pelvic health referral pad that has everything listed out on there. Um, so if you see things like rectocele, cystocele, urethrocele, um, all sorts of different uh, names for different organs that are shifted. Um, but if we can tell them we can treat pelvic organ prolapse, that covers a whole array of other things. Um, and then I would say in its whole other bucket are pelvic pain conditions, um, which are very lengthy and varied as far as terminology goes. Um, so, but if you tell the average referral source that you can treat con pelvic pain conditions, again, that kind of covers a whole variety of things. Uh, dyspareunia is the hardest one to say, <laughs> but it's the one that I think also will get you a lot of bang for your referral bucks. Um, because I know for me, um, pelvic pain is sort of what I nerd out about. Like I love treating pelvic pain conditions. And for me, you know, most physicians we go and talk to know that pelvic health therapists can treat things like incontinence or things like prolapse. But when I tell them I am brilliant at treating dyspareunia and other pelvic pain conditions, they kind of like light up and they're like, I have so many patients for you. Um, and so that's how I have gotten a lot of my referrals sources because those are more challenging patients that I would say the beginning, the baby pelvic therapists maybe aren't typically so good at treating. Um, so dyspareunia is another big term, um, but a lot, of uh, a lot of physicians just use the term kind of chronic pelvic pain um, as, that's, as if that's a specific disorder or dysfunction, yeah. um, and it's, it's not, <laughs> um, but it just, again, kind of is a nice umbrella term. So I would say that is, those are probably the biggest, again, bang for your buck terminology things to know. And you guys can't see this, but you can probably hear it in, in Ashley's like voice inflection, how excited she gets, but she's like holding her hands up and she's like talking about it and she's just so happy and excited, which is great. So literally, if you were in front of me as a provider, well, damn, I'm going to send them to you as well. <laughs> so that's awesome. Kim, it. I'm glad you cussed first because it's yeah. only a matter of time before something comes out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, listen, Kim's, Kim is going to do it on every episode of the Reconnect podcast. And it may or may not cut it out. I have to bleep that one out. <laughs> I always joke and I, you know, I tell people like, I talk about pee, poop and sex all day long. Like my filter has to be on yeah. so high that the occasional cuss word comes out. Oh my God, that's <laughs> well, thank you. Brad, do you have anything to add to that, Brad? Yeah, yeah I, I don't want people to get, uh, I mean, it's a lot of terminology. 
you know, that Ashley threw out there. So don't get overwhelmed by, because I've never been able to see, say, dyspareunia. Um, effort. I've, I've never said the word to it, but it is the reason that we have the pelvic floor specific script pads. Um, because a lot of times physicians will just look at them and say, oh, I didn't know you guys treated this. And it opens up doors for me to go, well, you know what, let me get Ellen over here or let me get Ashley over here and let's talk more about it. Um, the other thing that I will add too is we have to just know enough in order to open the doors, you know, and I tell this to our PTs as well, and I encourage them, and this is for you, Ashley, I encourage them all to take pelvic floor one. That first pelvic floor class, they need to take it. It's not any of the internal stuff. It's just, you know, over the top, and it's, it's recognizing when do I need to send this to a pelvic health therapist. Um, so, you know, the, those are just some tips. Um, don't get overwhelmed by the terminology. Utilize the resources that we have out there. Well, yes, we have tried to make it easy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, without a doubt. And you're teaching that class now, right, Ashley? Yes, I wrote it and yourself? taught it. Teach it. Talk about it. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> please. And it's open for ATCs. Um, you, um, those folks can take it too. So IPF is Intro to Pelvic Floor. Um, so Upstream does offer it. Um, and it, it's really meant to take a very orthopedic approach to pelvic floor to sort of make it accessible for quote unquote the average not pelvic health trained clinician. Okay. Um, again, no gloves, no lubricant, everyone's pants stay on the entire weekend. Um, so, um, and it's just really meant to make it a little bit more approachable and go through some basics so that again, as a, as a treating therapist, as an ATC, um, if you're seeing somebody and they kind of tick these boxes, it at least alerts you to say, hey, maybe this person has a pelvic health something and maybe I can do a kind of quick screen or refer it to somebody local um, who can help me dive into this further. Gotcha. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to add to that is we can't assume that physicians know what pelvic health therapy is because I have learned most of them have no idea. Um, the majority of people want a quick fix. They want a medication. Um, but when you've been taking meds for 20 years to keep yourself from peeing on yourself, um, people get tired of it at times, you know, and a lot of people now too coming through our generation, actually in our generation, they don't want to take medications. You know, you, you just, you want to find some alternative method because I don't want to take that for the rest of my life. Um, so make sure that you're opening those doors and getting information, whether it's a, you know, an, a journal article or something in front of them, these providers, so that they kind of get, you know, they look at it and go, oh, I didn't know we could do that. And then that opens up doors as well to get, get Ashley or one of your pelvic health therapists in there. So when you talk about providers, Brad, in regards to pelvic floor therapy, you know, I'm sitting here listening. I'm like, okay, so who do you, who are you talking about? Are you talking about OBs, urologists? Like walk us through your call points when you're referring to pelvic floor therapy providers. Yep. So uh, of course, the most comfortable for most of us is orthopedics. Um, your, your orthopedists are the ones that most of us have relationships with. I have a lot of cell phone numbers for orthopedists, so it opens up doors for me to get in there and go, hey, by the way, we've got a pelvic health therapist now, and they may or, not know, may, or may not know what that is. So that's the most comfortable place to start, um, is just to introduce it to the pelvic, the pelvic health therapist to the orthos, and then be able to educate them 
Um, past that is primary care physicians. Um, most, of the, uh, most of the patients that could benefit from pelvic health therapy are going to their primary, health, uh, primary care physician because they trust them and they will tell them things. Um, so it tends to be the first line because the, the primary care physicians are then referring them to urology or they're referring them to some other specialty. Well, now if they've got physical therapy as a specialty from the get-go, um, then that saves them six more weeks waiting to get in to see a urologist or whatever. Um, internal medicine is huge for us because a lot of our geriatric population sees someone through internal medicine and I'll speak with them and um, that opens up doors there. Really, I, I, I present our pelvic health program to all the physicians that I call on. They know that we offer the service. Um, some of them are gonna send more than others. Um, but th there's no reason to not um, introduce the program to everybody that you go to. Yeah, and I will say, and this is this is telling on me um, and my knowledge um, a few years ago, and this was several years ago, okay, but I had an issue in the area, and I, it was a kidney issue, but I thought that I needed to call my OBGYN, because I'm like, okay, anything down here in this area, I'm calling my OB. I call my B and he's like, why are you calling me about this? He's like, you need to call somebody else. So then I'm seeing like my sports med doctor who I've always seen. And he's like, okay, you need to see a urologist. I was like, a urologist? What in the world? I really just did not realize urologist, that's what they do. I assumed it was my OBGYNs. So even as a patient where when we do, when they do go and have conversations with their providers, it's nice that every provider across the board understands where they can send their patients to because we don't as patients know where we're supposed to call and go see so we're just starting to call our doctors and trying to get ourselves fixed and so Brad I think it's amazing that you touch on every single point now I've never thought about orthopedics for pelvic floor therapy so Ashley can you kind of walk us through why Brad calls an orthopedist and he can even share some stories but I'd love to hear why he's talking about pelvic floor with orthopedists. Absolutely, and I, and I think I love the way you talk, Stephanie, because I think that's so reflective of how the average person kind of thinks about who do I call about this? And it's something that I deal with, you know, if I'm talking to a patient about their bladder symptoms and I'm asking them about their bowel habits and they're saying, well, why are you asking me about that? And I have to kind of walk somebody through, through, you know, you might be seeing a urologist, an OBGYN, and a colorectal doctor. I need to add, it's all on one, one trampoline that's your pelvic floor muscle. So I need to know about all the things. So that's, that's really fantastic. Um, but yes, to Brad's point, I love starting with the orthopedic physicians, um, especially if you've got the spine guy or girl or the hip, the hip doctors. Oh, please, the hip doctors. Um, hip labral tears tend to refer a lot of symptoms into the genitals. Um, so I think that is huge. A lot of people who have total hip replacements end up with bowel and bladder dysfunction afterwards because of some of the things that are affected. Um, and so again, I think the orthopedic doctors are used to thinking about physical therapy as part of their normal plan of care for their patients, whereas a urologist might not be used to that. Um, and so it's not, as, it's not as hard of a leap for the orthopedic physicians. Um, you know, when you think about the average spine physician, how much do we talk about core strengthening, right? Core strengthening and for everyone who can't see my fingers right now. 
Um, and the pelvic floor muscles are part of the core muscles. And lots of lovely research shows that if you're not doing pelvic floor exercises as part of your core strengthening program, you're not seeing as good of results as you could be. So again, we sit there and, and talk to folks um, about some of the things that we can do in that specialty. Uh, the other big thing is that when we think about orthopedic doctors, a lot of the quote unquote red flags that we as orthopedic providers see, when we think about numbness and tingling in the genitals, um, Brad, like you as an ATC, like I know that's like, oh, that ain't good, right? <laughs> but for someone who's in my situation, that's that happens all day, every day to me. So when we think about bowel and bladder changes um, and numbness and tingling in the genital region, for somebody who has a spine condition, that's somebody who I would want to take a look at before we potentially spend money on getting an MRI and things like that and kind of escalating those healthcare costs. Um, so yeah, so I think especially if you've got orthopedic docs who you're very comfortable with, that's an easy win to start with. That's great. Well, especially when you're talking about a sports med doc, talk to us a little bit about athletes and how it's so prevalent to have pelvic floor challenges as an athlete. Sure, I'll, I'll t and Brad, feel free to chime in here. Because um, I know one of my therapists actually just got together with her athletic trainer coordinator and did a great presentation to all of the ATCs in their region. Um, it's so prevalent for um, athletes at really all levels of, of sport to have pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, I'm not going to be smart enough to like have the numbers off my top of my head, um, but something like one in every three of like quote unquote female triathletes um, had some either urinary incontinence, fecal incontinence and or pelvic pain or a combination of the three. Um, so super duper duper prevalent. Um, even at the high school status, um, there are lots of athletes play, playing with incontinence. And again, you know, you might not tell your mom that as a high school athlete, you might not talk to your dad, you might not talk to the physician who's doing your sports physical, right? But if you're in the training room with your athletic trainer and conversations end up there, it might come up as a, because that's a person you might be a little bit more comfortable with as opposed to a physician in a white coat as a 16-year-old boy. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important that, again, we have those appropriate channels. Um, I do know that, that there was a whole webinar that that was presented, and I'm sure I can get everyone access to it if you want to just email me for that. <laughs> okay, so Brad, we were just talking about how we do have specific pelvic floor referral pads that make our lives super easy. What other resources do you use when you are calling on your providers? Um, so one of the big things that we did, we did a bio card for our pelvic health therapist that had on there some of her outcomes measures. Um, it had some highlights of what she does, what she treats. Um, so things that will open up conversations when they look at her. Um, and they look at uh, her bio and specific things that she looks at. And I always follow that with the, the pelvic floor referral pad um, because that has the words on it that I can't pronounce. Um, but I, I, know, I know the general gist of it and it opens up those conversations with them. Um, like I said, being a male walking into an OBGYN office or even a urology office sometimes is, is a little, you know, there's some apprehensions with that. But I will tell you, I've seen both of my children born, and after that, it just, it all went away. Um, but it, I do understand, and I can empathize with all of you guys out there that are, are like, I don't know if I want to walk in there or not. They just look at me like I'm weird. Um, I, I found it challenging, and I like it because I like, I also like to use the pink pens that we have. 
um, because all the girls <laughs> at the front love the pink pins. So it opens up doors for me. And, and I think that, you know, between all of us, I think they feel a little bit sorry for me because I'm a male walking into an OBGYN office and they're like, oh, wow, this guy must be desperate for referrals. Um, so, but I've had some great conversations and seriously, it, it's been a great, great opportunity for me to get uncomfortable and, and just to, to learn more about this and, and uh, be able to present some of the things that, that our pelvic health therapists can treat and take care of. So. Yeah, so when you're talking about you're having great conversation, what are some of like just a key phrase to kind of get that started? I know you said you showed them the bios, but is there something like if you were to have left the bio in the car or you're completely had read out of the bio as you're in there, what are some of these phrases that you're saying that's making those providers stop and go, you know what, Brad, I can send someone to you. I've got a patient that's already been in here. I think the biggest thing is just telling them that we have someone who treats pelvic health pain and pelvic floor symptoms, you know, and things from incontinence all the way to, you know, prolapse, that we can tell them that we have somebody that specializes in that. Um, there's a huge need in the markets, in all of our markets. So whether you have a pelvic floor therapist in your market or not, I'd encourage you to find out who is doing this stuff. Um, because people, pe there are people, males, females, transgender, there are people out there who need this service, you know, so a lot of times, and that's really how we built the market here in Columbia, is I had so many physicians that would ask me if we offered the service, and I went back and said, hey, Ellen, can you do this? And she dove in head first, of course, because that's how Ellen Spiller is. Um, so, it, that opened up the doors for us to be able to take care of those patients. And you're really uncovering too, like in, in there might be folks in larger markets that there is somebody who's already treating and, you know, we do have, you know, we're trying to diversify and somebody's been, is just new at it. And how do you differentiate then if you're competing against somebody like Ashley, who's been doing it a long time and you have a newer de novo and somebody is specializing um, in maybe, you know, they're not, you know, in maybe the beginner classes, like Ashley mentioned, and, you know, you want to try to get them patients. And so you're uncovering and asking questions about, do they send to pelvic floor and who do they utilize? And then you have to start differentiating. How do you compete against that? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's like anything, you're building, the, you're building the market, right? So it's like when you have a new therapist that specializes in orthopedics, well, they may not be as 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 good as you know, someone who's been practicing for 19 years, but we were all young therapists at one point, or we were all young salesmen at one point. So we've got to just like Ashley was saying, you know, it was trial by fire. She learned how to do this as she went along. You know, I think it's important too with our program. There are so many great mentors out there. So if you've got a young PT who wants to do pelvic health there's no reason for them not to have an Ashley Crew or an Ellen Spiller or someone like that that can help mentor them through this, you know, and, and get them uncomfortable too to treat new conditions and learn new things, you know. So as far as getting out there and, and just, just promote the program, you know, and if a patient comes in that they can't treat that specific condition, I think that's why it's so important to A, have a great mentor so you can call and say, hey, what do I do with this? And then B, also know who is in your market. It may not be with Benchmark or Upstream that's doing this. Know where you can send them 
because it's not just about holding on to a patient, it's about getting them the care that they need. Absolutely. Absolutely, which is great. So with that, Brad, you mentioned this bio that you actually had outcomes information on. Would you mind sharing that with us so that we could actually have it attached with this podcast as a resource and a copy of your, your referral pad as well? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Just as a resource, everybody could visualize and see that. Like we said, this is a new specialty for, for a lot of account managers. So that kind of can give them some pieces, which is great. I would jump in here too and say uh, there is a pelvic health team available on the source. And on that, I have a tracker of pelvic health therapists. And so you as account managers are all welcome to join it. It doesn't have to be a clinician, but it would give you access to this tracker to say, okay, you know, this physician is asking me about services, especially in places think like Atlanta, Georgia, when we've got a couple of folks there. Um, and I do have listed on there, I asked the therapist to kind of type in who they can treat, what patient populations can they treat. So it might be a nice resource. I know some of my account managers here in Pennsylvania have asked to get access to that so they can see where we all are and what each of us are, are skilled at. Um, but I think, and that's a great thing too, as you circle back to your pelvic health clinicians, if they're a new baby therapist and they say, hey, this physician sent me this patient that like, woof, like I am swimming in the deep end here. Um, I think it's something that you as account managers can also feel empowered to say, okay, you know, is this a time for you to chat with Ashley, Ellen? We've got a couple of really brilliant therapists throughout the company who are happy to mentor. Um, and I'm working on designing more and more of that. So I think that's a great thing that you as account managers can do to support your clinicians to say, hey, that's okay, you know, let's talk to somebody else. And if it's really not appropriate for you to treat them, we'll find another place for this person to go, even if it's blasphemy, not with us. <laughs> because to Brad's point, it is about taking care of the patients. Absolutely. Okay, so here's what I really want to know, Ashley, is, you know, this all sounds amazing. And I do think I'm totally bought into this pelvic floor as all of our, you know, account managers are who sells this, but we're sharing this information with providers. Why is it that not every single provider is sending every one of those patients that we have described and we have painted the picture and we have given journals to, why are they still not sending every single one of their patients? Uh, it's like turning the Titanic. <laughs> so I think it's really important uh, that we really recognize and give some grace um, because we have to keep in mind that a lot of these providers um, weren't giving any education whatsoever about the pelvic floor muscles throughout their graduate schools, through their residencies. I'm telling you, the average therapist, if you take Intro to Pelvic Floor, a two-day course that we host here in Upstream, after going to that course, you know more pelvic floor muscle anatomy than an obstetrician knows. Um, and so it's really important that we recognize that these physicians are educated in organ dysfunction, they are not educated at all about the musculoskeletal system and how that can interplay with the organ uh, functions. And so we think about, you know, orthopedic doctors are an account manager's bread and butter, right? They, you know, the easy win for a referral source. We don't have an orthopedic surgeon who is educated or we don't have the equivalent in the pelvic health world. Um, there are specialists called urogynecologists. 
um, that are a little bit more familiar with some pelvic floor muscles stuff. Um, but I think then too, they're surgeons. And a lot of surgeons tend to have this approach of, well, I, I fixed your bladder prolapse. I gave you this sling, right? And so your problem should just magically go away. Um, so a lot of the, the surgeries that are being performed in the area are fixing a symptom usually. So a bladder prolapse is actually a symptom of a long-standing problem. And so the surgeons are fixing the symptom but not correcting that underlying problem. But again, they've never really been educated that that's the case. Um, and so when we as therapists are walking into a physician's office and asking them to change their typical referral patterns, that's why I say it's asking them to, change, to turn the Titanic because they have their, their flow chart of if this, then that, and pelvic floor therapy isn't something that they were trained on typically in their residency programs. Um, and so I'm, I'm challenging them to, to change that. And so when we look at the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, um, in their most recent guidelines, they did include a blurb about a pelvic floor referral should be part of every person who's had a baby. It should be part of their postpartum care. Um, but then again, you're also expecting every physician to be up to date with the most current research. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, that's just not necessarily the case. The same can be said for therapists too, you know, that not everyone is on the cutting edge um, of what's new and what their practice guidelines should be. So I would say it tends to be a very gentle process at first. Um, and I will say typically as a therapist, what I do, um, if I have a, a physician like that, who is just, this is, this is what I do and my outcomes are fine. Um, one thing I always say, if they're a surgeon, I will tell them um, and try to show them some studies that show physical therapy can improve their surgical outcomes and their patient satisfactions with their surgeries. So I'm not trying to steal your surgeries from you physician. I'm here to get you better outcomes. Um, and then I will also tell them, give me the patient who's not the surgical candidate, um, who you can't do surgery on. Give me that tough patient that you can't, you feel like you can't help. Um, because then again, they don't necessarily feel like I'm taking away their business. I'm just looking to help support them. Um, and so I think that that can be a nice, again, some easy wins um, to help us. Um, but again, we're asking them to change what they've been doing for decades potentially. So it takes some time. So as we're kind of closing out here, is there anything else, Ashley or Brad, that we need to cover that we've missed that you feel like is our key takeaways for our account managers? I think I, I have a great selling point potentially uh, for account managers that I don't think a lot of people understand or know. Um, I would say historically, a lot of pelvic health therapists that are out there outside of upstream are treating in cash-based scenarios. Um, where they do not accept insurances. And that is one of the things that I'm very passionate about. That's why I'm with this company is I'm here for accessibility and equity in healthcare. Um, whereas, I mean, and I'm on some of these Facebook groups where I'm not kidding folks. Um, therapists are sort of bragging about being able to increase their prices from, are you ready? $250 per session to $350 for an initial eval, cash, no insurance accepted whatsoever. Um, and so when we think about how far removed that is from our company values and what we're here for, um, I think this is a really great selling point because I think another thing that physicians might not always refer to pelvic PT because they might've heard back from patients, oh yeah, I looked one up and it's gonna be $300 out of my pocket every visit and I can't do that. 
Whereas we can tell these physicians, we will work with everyone's insurance um, and it falls within their normal physical therapy benefits. Um, I think that can be a huge selling point that sometimes makes physicians hesitant to refer. That I, I think that's a question every single referral source I've ever had asks me um, is, is this covered by that patient's insurance? Because a lot of pelvic PTs just choose to be cash-based. And so again, I think as a referral or as a account manager, one thing, you don't have to know all the specifics, but if you can sell that, um, and you know, we don't have really big waiting lists typically um, because we get patients in quickly. Whereas at least where I am, if you're not going to one of our upstream clinics, it is not uncommon for you to have a six month wait period before you get into CA pelvic PT. Wow. And so I think those are great selling points um, that again, as account managers, you don't have to be able to say dyspareunia, um, but if you can tell these physicians, we will be able to work with patients' insurances and get them in with even, you know, within 48 hours, um, that's another great easy win for folks. Uh, I think that's a great point. Thank you so much, Ashley. Brad, did you have anything else you want to input? No, I, and I didn't think about that, but we do have a, a pelvic health therapist here in the Columbia market that she is out marketing herself, you know, and she's cash-based. So it's a great point, Ashley. I hadn't even thought about that either. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. Thank you so much. Well, coming up next month for October, we really want to get your input on what you're doing for the holiday. We know that we get great um, logoed options that Jillian always sends out to us and we use those for some of our holiday gifts. Um, but everybody else may do special little things and ornament a special gift basket for their key top providers. Similar to what we did um, to kind of give ideas for the summer, we got some really good feedback that everybody wants to hear what they do for the holidays. And we're doing it in October because we felt like November just be too late to do it because everybody's trying to do their planning. Yes, and so that way doing it in October also helps us kind of get an idea on how to budget better through the November, the December for the holiday season. So okay. we're either gonna be sending out a survey monkey or we're gonna be sending out an email for you guys to give input. Like Kim said, y'all participated for the summer months. So just be looking forward to either a survey monkey for your input or to be sending us an email. Well, thank you both for your time, your energy, your passion, and really most of all your knowledge. You know what, this is what it's all about guys is really helping each account manager, you know, be able to grow in their territory and help patients. So this concludes episode nine of the Reconnect podcast. I'm Stephanie Fowler. And I'm Kim McTiernan, and we want to say a special thank you to Ian Hauser for all of our editing.